What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rico's Watches podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm here today for this very special Father's Day episode with my very own dad. How's it going today, dad? Going great. How are you, Eric? Good, good. It's super exciting to be able to uh, chat with you and kind of share a little bit about your story with watches and I guess our story together with watches and kind of put it into a cool episode for people to listen to. And uh, I think people will really enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to, to chatting and getting into uh, the meat and bones of those topics. But uh, before we, we get into that right off the hop though, what do you have on the wrist? Uh, today I got the uh, Omega Seamaster Chronograph. Not sure if you can see that okay, but uh, we cannot. There we go, sort of a little blurry. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, you got the the Bond Seamaster there, but in the uh, in the chronograph configuration, it's and it's a really really cool piece. Not one you see very often either. It's uh, definitely a very unique watch and uh, one yeah, that. Yeah. I, I, I actually, it, it's it's my uh, it's my favorite watch. It was given to me, uh, you know, by my family, of course, including yourself, mm. and. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of it's really nice because every time i look at the watch every time i put it on uh and i don't wear it all the time i only wear it um you know certain occasions i, uh, I try to take good care of it because it's something i uh, i really cherish uh, but every time i put it on I, I kind of forget i forgot how how nice it feels to have it on and how much i enjoy it mm-hmm. and it's one of those weird things where I don't know if other people, I'm sure they have the sometimes the same experience, but you see something and it could be a car, you know, it could be a watch, it could be a person, it could be anything, but it, it's just, there's something about it that just resonates with you. And mm-hmm. it just makes you feel uh, a little bit more content or, you know, relaxed or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And it just makes your life like that a little bit better. You know what? It's like, uh, it's like, um, they say on some of those uh, other YouTube and, and TV shows, it kind of sparks joy for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't really put your finger on it. But that's what this does for me, the, just the design of it. I know not everybody would necessarily like um, this type of this type of timepiece. And, you know, it's kind of bulky and thick and everything. But, uh, but it kind of checks all the boxes for me. So mm-hmm. that's why well, I like to wear it. What do you got? What do I have on? I got my sort of my go-to piece most days. I got the uh, the Tudor Pelagos on. Just uh, it's kind of been like my companion for the show for the uh, for the last little bit. Um, I'm thinking of well, I am going to probably be flipping the Speedy pretty soon. So then we'll see some new pieces coming on the show potentially. Not sure what yet, but uh, got some uh, some interesting ideas that I think uh, people will find uh, pretty cool and maybe some some pieces that maybe don't uh, get seen very often. So it could be a lot of fun to kind of have those as something unique to the show. Um, so I guess like when we kind of diving into the, the main topics of the show today, like where did sort of like watches begin for you? What was sort of like what kind of got you into them as a hobby, right? I mean, you're not a huge part of like the collecting community in the sense that like you engage with a lot of the social media and that type of stuff, but like you appreciate watches, you've had an appreciation for them for a long time. You've uh, definitely have an interesting and unique collection kind of all on itself that continues to grow. Um, what, 
I guess, like, where did it start? Where did the interest in, in timepieces start for you? Yeah, well, it, it, it's sort of, um, uh, I guess, a, a little bit of a different story how, how I got interested in them. Um, and, you know, the, the short answer is, like, I, for, um, for most of my life, I really wasn't that interested in watches. I like I like wearing a watch. I just mm -hmm. wanted something that kind of looked pretty good and full time. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it, it wasn't like uh, they were ever like a big part of my life in any way. It's just something that you wore. Uh, but it's kind of kind of interesting. Uh, so um, when I was uh, younger than you, um, uh, it was uh, during the uh, the quartz revolution, I guess you would call it, and everything was all about the quartz and digital. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, I remember just sort of barely when the whole LED, like the ones with the red numbers and the green numbers and that came out. And that was a huge thing. That was like a revolution. Uh, you know, before that, everybody pretty much had wind up style watches and then, uh, or, or maybe automatics, which I didn't even know what those were at the time. Uh, and then after that, uh, you know, there was the uh, the other type of sort of um, electronic watches that became developed. And then quartz, when quartz first came out, and then all about the accuracy and the cost of, you know, you could get like these super accurate watches uh, with batteries that lasted a very, very long time. And really for a fraction of what you would have to pay for that, anything close to that accuracy um, with the old type of watches. So it was pretty neat. And I remember I got like one of these, uh, I don't know if it was a Casio or something like that. It was like an analog watch. It had some kind of a bezel, but it also had like a little digital insert, a little digital readout. So it, you had your traditional watch, but you also had like, uh, you know, an alarm and a calendar and um, uh, you could do different time zones, all kinds of cool stuff like that. And I was like, 15 or 16, I think. And I, I wore that for a few years and I really enjoyed it. So I, I got into kind of like always having some kind of a watch. Eventually it, it stopped working. And um, then it was kind of strange. Like for a few years after that, I, I bought different quartz watches. Um, and I don't know if it was because of the type of things that I did back then to kind of work or whatever, but I would, I would buy these watches and I bought a quartz watch wear it for a few months and it would break. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, so I buy like a more expensive watch, still quartz. I honestly didn't even know that you could buy any other kind of watch except the wind up. And why would I buy that? That's old style technology. Like nobody wants to buy those anymore back in, you know, the late, uh, I guess it would have been about the early mid set, maybe at this time. And then the more expensive watch would last a little bit, then it would break. So, you know, I kept going on through this. It's like, this is really weird. Like, I, I got to find some kind of watch that lasts more than a few months. And at that time, there was like this urban legend about quartz watches that, that some people gave off some kind of weird, I don't know if anybody's ever heard about this, but uh, like a weird magnetic field. And there's something about, you know, certain people that it just screws up the quartz crystals and they don't last which uh, I don't think is, is necessarily what was happening there. I think maybe I was just treating them a little bit too rough. But, um, but yeah, I went on like that and I got, and, and uh, as time went by, um, 
you know, I, I got kind of sick of it, but it took, it took quite a while. Um, and again, a lot of that was because I didn't even know those alternatives. And, uh, and then several years later, um, when I really first started getting into watches is, um, I, uh, came across a, um, uh, an automatic watch and, uh, you know, sort of started to realize how those work and that they were all mechanical. There was no quartz crystal. Uh, they were also, you know, basically powered by movement, which was fascinating to me. And, um, so I, I bought one of those, uh, because I wanted to see if it will last longer than a few months and it did. And uh, I think that was actually, it was quite a while later. It was actually about the same time when I think you were looking for a watch, but buying that for, uh, you know, once I figured that, uh, discovered that they made for decades, they've been, they've been available. These interesting watches that are, uh, um, you know, all mechanical and, and, and powered by movement, uh, that kind of fascinated me. And I started to learn more about the different types of watch movements. I became quite, uh, for a while there, I, I found it really, really neat how, you know, back in the, the 20s, 30s, uh, 40s, the trend was to go to miniaturization, like, like uh, you know, before that, people had pocket watches, then the watches were fairly big and chunky, and then it's kind of like, it's kind of like what happened with cell phones in the 90s, is like, you know, the smaller you could buy one, the, uh, the cooler it was. And how how people could do these um, wind up and automatic movements into such tiny cases, um, and the quality of the workmanship back then. A lot of the stuff was done by hand. So I, I kind of got into some of those pieces. Not really, I would say, as a to have like the depth of knowledge, like a collector, so to speak. Um, but I just found them interesting and neat, and a lot of them surprisingly affordable. Um, some of the antique and older ones. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed wearing them. So um, that's sort of my exposure, exposure to watches. And then over time, you got into it and, uh, you know, learned a little bit more about some of the nice high-end brands and so on. And, uh, and that's kind of how I, uh, I, I came across the, the Seamaster here. And, and, and I was like, yeah, that's the kind of watch that, that, that I'd like to have that looks, that really works for me. And, wasn't something that I ended up buying for myself. It was a bought for me as a gift, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And that so that's sort of my uh, that's how I got into, into mm -hmm. having watches around. I just and and, and, I, and I'm still I'm still at that same phase. Like every now and then, I find something very very interesting uh, because of its history, because of its design, of its function, and uh, I just. Uh, look into like maybe it's something I might want to have and I guess you could call it my collection mm -hmm. something that I might want to wear occasionally uh, mm -hmm. and I look into getting one and sometimes I do sometimes I don't depends on what it is and so I guess like going back a little bit when do you recall becoming like consciously aware of watches as I guess something that you know men would own or or people but you know specifically men would own to 
um, where as an accessory, not just as something that would be, I guess, a functional piece of equipment. Because when we're going back to talking about like the late 60s, the 70s, even going forward into the 80s or kind of when you really started to get into like the Miami Vice, Rolex, you know, Magnum PI type, you know, it's, it's, a, piece, yeah. it's a piece of jewelry, not just a piece of uh, functional, again, this is a functional tool, but like, when did you kind of become aware of that? And, you know, did you grow up, I guess, around a lot of people that had watches as something that was an accessory and not just a tool? Because you also kind of described that, that mentality of like, oh, like it's the 1970s, the quartz crisis has started or the quartz revolution, as some people call it. Why would I want an old hand wine watch when I can have one that's electronic and powered by a battery, which is obviously very uh, contradictory to the watch community now, which is much more like, oh, well, we want these beautiful automatics and hand wound uh, pieces, right? So I guess when did you kind of become consciously aware of, like I said, consciously aware of watches as an accessory and something that's kind of desirable to have um, beyond just their functionality. And then I guess, when did you notice that shift in, I guess, people's mentality around uh, automatic and manual, manual wind versus quartz pieces? For me, I guess, um, I really wasn't that aware of watches. My first kind of awareness of it is, uh, you know, my father, your, your grandfather, um like he he did used to have a i think it was a timex wind up mm. um with like uh believe it was like a um a blue and red a blue red and green maybe natal strap mm. and he wore that for quite a few years and i remember and this was like when i was maybe 10 or something that i it was quite a long time ago and I do remember being aware of that watch and thinking that it was pretty neat. And uh, but he, he didn't really wear it all the time, and he didn't. Uh, I don't know when, but I think if you know if he wore it for a few years, and then I'm not sure if he just stopped wearing it or it broke or something, and he just didn't wear it all. Uh, he, he didn't wear any watch then for a long time. Um, and then and, and and generally for me, like growing up, uh, you would see people would have watches. Uh, but um, I, I really was never very aware of them, never, never really knew what they were besides just something that tells time. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't really something that I gave a lot of thought to uh, for a long time until, like I said, uh, I was maybe in my mid to late teens and I bought my own watch and I started having problems with, uh, with keeping them going. Uh, definitely in the 80s, and I remember the Miami uh, Vice era quite well. <laughs> uh, that is when it became uh, a very uh, cultural thing. Like a, there was a lot of, lot, lot of awareness around, um, especially the Rolex brand. A little bit maybe around some other brands like, um, like a little bit maybe Omega Tag Cure for sure. Uh, also was a brand that was quite popular back then. A few other ones. But with the Rolex, uh, it was the, and actually for me, being uh, like a teenager in the 80s, like you definitely did not want a Rolex uh, in my crowd anyway, because that was like a symbol, you know, a Rolex and a BMW and an MBA was like the, uh, the symbol of sort of um, the selling out to the uh, uh, 
the corporate lifestyle and all about greed and and uh, and uh, having um, uh, like a stuff, you know, uh, watches, cars, whatever, funky looking linen white suits or whatever it was that uh, to tell people like what you're about, whether that is who you are or not, that was the, the image you had to project. So for, for, for the, the people that were just, that were maybe in their teens back then, that was like what you don't want to do because there was the people that were 10, 10 or 15 years older than you were doing that. But that was also like a like a pretty major thing, and and I did, and I think everybody kind of became aware of, uh, you know, say a Rolex as a as a uh, as a luxury brand and a status yeah. symbol, yeah. exactly like it always was. Mm -hmm. But I think it was to a much smaller uh, market that was aware that was aware of of, of what those kind of uh, timepieces are, mm -hmm. and also that could afford them, and also that. Um, you know, would even find them something like that desirable. But in the uh, uh, probably late 70s and all throughout the 80s and early 90s, a lot of those brands became like everybody's aspiration to mm -hmm. have, you know, like uh, not everybody, but the, the majority of people to have, uh, you know, you want to have a Porsche and you want to have certain sunglasses and you want to have a Rolex and maybe a BMW and, and so on and so on. So I definitely was aware of it, but again, in a way where it was like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like I, you know, mm. I, and, um, and for, uh, for most of the, my early time when I started to be aware of watches and wanting to wear one, I actually wanted something that was more performance oriented. Like it, I, I, I didn't want something that looks nice, but that I can just basically do whatever I want, whether it's, uh, you know, athletics or working or uh, outdoors, acti outdoor activities, whatever. And it just performed and didn't break. That's really mm -hmm. what I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I know we talked about um, this, another, this is a conversation I think you and I had had a few days ago, but one thing you, you recall being kind of consciously aware of, of I guess, the world of watches and when it was starting to become uh, its own very uh, largely advertised niche was uh, with the James Bond movies in the early 90s. You you described seeing a certain advert and kind of that was really like the first kind of moment that you had talked about where you were like, oh, wow, like people advertise watches and people actually care about these things type thing. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit or talk about that at all? Yeah, well, like I, like I mentioned, um, you know, there was a, a point where, because I was looking for a watch that didn't break so easily, I became aware of like uh, automatic watches, and that was actually how uh, that was. Um, it wasn't even during like the the um, like from watching a Bond film because back in the that era, they would have these cool watches that you know had laser beams or little built-in rotary saws and stuff like that. And it was obviously, like, that's not a watch you're gonna go out and buy, that's just something for the movies. But um, I, uh, I saw something else, which I can't remember if it was a, uh, an article or some other TV program or something. And they referred to, you know, like, um, like just a, a, an actual uh, non-fictional person and, and that they were wearing the James Bond watch. And I'm like, well, what, well you can actually buy a James Bond watch. 
mm-hmm. that's crazy. <laughs> like, what the heck is that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked into it a little bit more, and that's when I kind of um, found out that uh, you know, it, 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 the James Bond watches were Rolexes or uh, in some cases Omegas, or depending on the time frame and that it was other 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 brands too. But a lot of them were mechanical watches from um, well-known companies that made high-end, high-quality, high-performing timepieces. And, uh, and yeah, you can buy it, not with laser beams and rotary saws, but, you know, still an excellent timepiece. I also found that those brands, certainly at that time, were financially way out of my reach, or at least I, there was, I had no interest in spending that kind of money on a timepiece, but there was other alternatives. Mm-hmm. that were very much uh, more suited to what I want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, 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 what I, uh, to what I need a watch to do for me, let's say, actually. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, like, I'm trying to kind of paint a picture of, like, what sort of the culture was around watches at that time. Because, I mean, for example, you've had brands like Omega that were advertising heavily about their involvement in, like, the space race and the moon landing and things like that, which is obviously something that, you know, you were alive for and, and could appreciate and you weren't like, you know, old enough to really appreciate the moon landing at the time, but, you know, in the subsequent years through the seventies and the eighties and things like that. And, you know, they, they have always kind of been showing off some of the things that they've been accomplishing and doing and, and Rolex as well too. So were watches like ever really something that, you know, like you would be like, oh, wow, like that's the astronaut watch or wow, that's, you know, that's Jacques Cousteau's watch or that's who these, like, you know, like growing up in this era of like human ex- exploration and expansion and they were relying on these tools heavily, like were they being talked about at the time or is that really something now that, you know, we seem like society is so nostalgic of that like golden era of humanity or whatever you want to call it. And now we look back on those tools in sort of a nostalgic way. While at the time they were kind of just being used as a whatever piece of equipment, right? Like was it something that was talked about then and acknowledged, or was it really just something that came up in the two thousands when people are reminiscing about that time? Um, I can only tell you like from my own experience, but for me, uh, if you go back to the, um, the you know the the seventies, eighties, nineties, even the two thousands, um, most people, and, and so even even when I became aware of the the different types of watches and and, and you know the, the different engineering that goes into different types of watches and what makes them special and so on, but most people. Um, that I've ever met don't have a a lot of interest or concern mm-hmm. in in, um, in any of that. Like mm-hmm. uh, they have heard terms like like the astronaut watch, you know, uh, the moon landing watch, or the um, the James Bond watch, or you know mm-hmm. things like that, or Rolex or whatever. But uh, um, They don't really. Most of them have no no desire or need to learn any more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's been my experience. And mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I've asked people like, well, do you know what makes like, for example, uh, like a Rolex Submariner such a special watch? And they're like, oh well, uh, yeah, it's uh, the 
the second hand continuously sweeps perfectly without any any ticking. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, okay, that's not really what it does, or mm -hmm. it is, but okay, that's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't really go beyond that. And, mm -hmm. I, and, and I totally appreciate that. I will say though that again, it also seems to me that, and a lot of this, I'm sure, is because of things like. Um, like the internet and so on, and the, even you know the podcast we're doing right now. Uh, every decade or every year, even uh, there are more and more people that are becoming uh, more aware and 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 are and are developing a better understanding of timepieces, mm -hmm. different things that they do and what they are. So mm -hmm. there's more of them, but but even today, I feel like it's a small percentage that yeah, I mean, would, would really understand this. Uh, probably true i mean when you think about it like yeah it's a very small percentage even by today's standards and largely whole or wholly that's probably because of things like the internet right so now we're now much, we're, much more than than, than, the, than the percentage would have been like 25 years ago right but now we're talking about like an era in like the 70s 80s where there is no internet and like yeah. really you're not going to come across that type of uh that type of um i guess material or that type of of content unless you are like specifically seeking it out and even then it's like oh you'll see like a national geographic advertisement for a rolex or something or you'll uh, see or like a or in yeah. the back of time magazine you'll see an omega advertisement or something like that but you're not able to go on like the internet or or watch videos about it because it didn't exist back then right so no no it was very as a matter of fact it's a lot harder to get a good deal now because yeah. of the internet. you know back when i first bought some of my nicer watches there was no internet. I mean, or, or there was, but certainly it wasn't on your phone. Yeah. And and, and, and you wouldn't, it wouldn't be something you would have like in, the, uh, you know, every store and pawn shop and, uh, you know, everywhere. It just, that, that just wasn't how it was. Mm. So you actually had to have actual knowledge um, about things, uh, or you had to leave and go away somewhere and do research, uh, like through books and things like that. So, uh, it was a totally different uh, environment back then, mm. and that's that's one of the you know. Although I say you know I say jokingly, like, it's hard to find good deals now, but you know maybe you actually find better deals because because you have so much information, you can make sure you're getting what you what you think you're getting, or at least have a better chance. I think it depends, right? But I think like you're kind of like, and also too, I guess we're also talking about an era where like really like no one really cared about watches a lot, right? So it's not like you could just go and find like a book written about watches and read like a 300 400 page book like now i got stacks of books about watches and you wouldn't have something like yes. that back then right be yes, very yeah. uncommon there, so. there wasn't as much i mean there, there's always been some things that mm -hmm. some references and you can always find them but it wasn't as easy uh, especially mm -hmm. if you're not in the industry and um and there just wasn't as much out there that, mm -hmm. you know you could find it all so it it, it definitely you know, um, everything has changed uh, with the amount of information that we have access to now and so quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, it makes a, it makes a really good difference, a big, really big difference. And, and it's really good because you can, that's kind of what I'm saying is, you know, sometimes I come across some very interesting time pieces uh, and often it's not, it isn't something that's necessarily very, uh, high end or high dollar it's just something that maybe you know maybe maybe was swiss made maybe wasn't but they only made them for a year or two and they incorporated some interesting feature into it that that is very you know uh, like 
like recently, um, I got this, um, I just bought this actually from a fella in Japan. And it's like a, uh, sorry, I'll just back it up a little bit. It is a the Lord Marvel Seiko there. Lord Marvel, yeah, um, 36,000 uh, to beat watch. Uh, and again, that's something that up until maybe a year ago, I didn't even know that they made watches that uh, were like that, that, that particular movement. And it's not like an incredible movement that revolutionized any, you know, uh, everything about watches or anything like that. But to me, like just the concept that um, you can create a mechanical automatic movement that can oscillate that quickly, I just find that really, really fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, so I looked around to see if I could find one that, uh, that I could own. And I did, and it wasn't ridiculously expensive or anything like that. Uh, so I was able to get it, and I really enjoy wearing it. I don't mm -hmm. wear it all the time, but every now and then I do. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a lot of fun. And that, I, I think if it wasn't for, for just being online and looking at some other, you know, some other types of watches and whatever, uh, never would have known anything about that. Like, mm -hmm. I'm certainly not going to go humping around for like books on 30, you know, on, on, on obscure watch designs that I don't even know anything about. So mm -hmm. that, that wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's interesting. And kind of a, I think really kind of lends to what I've seen is your philosophy surrounding collecting, which is just buy what interests you and what you enjoy, right? Like you're not really someone who, um seems to be overly big into all the hype of the big brands that people are really popular about right now i mean you have omegas and you like omegas and we're sort of like an omega family we have all really liked and enjoyed omegas over the years but um it's just like you you just buy things that fascinate you and there's so much to be fascinated about in the watch uh, industry and particularly in vintage like there's just so much cool stuff out there that you never would have imagined or thought of or or you come across and you're just like hey that's cool right and i think that that's something that's really special about about watch collecting um i know that you have quite a few pieces uh with you to kind of talk about from your collection can you kind of uh chat about some of those and uh maybe give us some of the backstory on some of them i know some of them have some really interesting stories kind of associated with them yeah yeah um that's that's why uh that's why i kept them uh, such a long time, some of them, and uh, absolutely, like the, the the story that goes with them. Like for me, that's the best part. Mm. <laughs> that's uh, and, and and really any any of the time pieces I have, and I and I I do collect other things too, so to speak. And and I am uh, I pretty much almost have never sold anything that I've collected. I buy things, um, and I buy them because I have some reason why I. I want to own them and I enjoy them. And mm -hmm. that, that, that's kind of, and I just like to be surrounded by things that, you know, I, I find enjoyable and I find interesting to own or remind me of, you know, um, an interesting time or interesting people mm -hmm. um, in my life. And so that's kind of like my, my philosophy and my approach to it is just buy what you love and, and enjoy it for uh, as long as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, one that is very, very much, uh, in that category is this one right here, which is a, an old um, Bulova Marine Star. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not 
or the focus there, but you kind of get the idea. It's like the blue face with the, the three subdials. It's a chronograph, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and it is kind of a cool story. This was this was before I had gotten away from the quartz watches. Mm -hmm. So it is it is still a quartz. Um, and it was during a time where you know I needed to get a new watch because the one that I had previously had worked for a few months and then stopped ticking and I couldn't, you know, the battery got changed, but that didn't that didn't fix it. So I was like, okay. Another one bites the dust. I got to find something else. And this was right at the same time where I married your mom. So it was back in the early 90s. And we went to Las Vegas uh, for our honeymoon. And um, she likes to, to stay by the pool. Uh, back then, she still does. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she liked to hang out by the pool. So she would do that. And I like to kind of get out and see see the city a little bit see what's going on uh and really back then uh like I, I would just walk down the strip up and down the strip because everything was pretty much there but you didn't have all the hotels you have now a lot of them didn't even exist mm -hmm. back at that time and the hotels that were there uh, you know a lot of them had been there a long time but there was lots of Actually, there was lots of uh, even just empty parking lots in between the hotels. Mm -hmm. And there was also like these little mini malls and these little shops, again, that were in between the hotels. Like now they've all been, or not all of them, but just about all of them have been replaced with the, you know, massive resorts that were built over the last like 20 years or what have you. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm on one of these little walks and, I'm, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop into some pawn shops and jewelry stores because I need a watch. Mm -hmm. like the, the, you know, the, the one I had um, stopped working. I did have one nice one that actually I got from your mother. It was like a, another like stable quartz um, and it still worked fine, but I didn't want to wear that as an everyday timepiece because I was afraid it was going to break too. And, uh, you know, she engraved it and everything. So it's very special to me. I still have it. Uh, and, it, and it was also very dressy. So it was, a, it was good to wear, like for my wedding, for example, it's like gold and that, you know, but it's not something I'm going to wear every day. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for like an everyday watch that's going to be um, suitable for, um, you know, for the kind of work I do and all that. So I'm walking up and down the strip and I, I went to a few places, didn't find I go into this pawn shop and I'm looking at the watches in the showcase and the guy comes over. And I see this bull of a marine star in the, in the showcase, and it looks really cool. And it looks like it's a, it's solid, like it's a little bit thicker, and you know it doesn't have like a, a movable bezel, but it's still pretty solid. And I kind of like the uh, the registers and uh, and all the functions buttons and everything like that. So I'm like it's fascinating. So I asked the guy, I said, well, what what kind of watch is that? He goes, oh, you know, a bull of a marine star. Um, you know, I think I think they were looking for something around two hundred dollars U.S. at that time, and so I'm like, okay, well, does does it work? Because you know, I mean, it's obviously somebody pawned it. It's a, it's a used watch, and he goes, yeah, as far as I know, it works. So he takes it out of the, the showcase, and he's showing it to me, and you know, push pushes some of the some of the buttons on the side, and the second hand starts to move 
Like, okay, well, that's good. And so what do all the little dials do? Because I have no idea what any of this stuff does. And I've never, never even seen a chronograph up close before, never owned one. Mm. And he's like, ah, well, you can, you know, one of them's a timer. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Like one, He didn't really have that much information about it. So he pushes some more buttons and the second hand stops. And I'm like, oh, it, it stopped working. He's like, yeah, kind of shakes it. Like, uh, I don't know, there must be some. Let me let me see if I can get it to go again. Anyway, couldn't couldn't get it to go again. So we're kind of looking at each other, like, okay, well, I guess maybe it's you know, there's something wrong with it, right? Because we have no idea how to how to operate this chronograph. Um, and as we were talking before, it's not like I can rip up my phone, like I'll just Google it. Like there was no Google. Google hadn't even didn't even exist, or at least not in the form that it uh, that it does today. Mm-hmm. And there was no computer. Like now every every store like that will have a computer right, right on the desk and they can tell you whatever you want to know about anything they have. Uh, that didn't exist then. It was like one of the old typewriters that opened up and the cash came out, or not typewriter, uh, cash registers that looked like a typewriter. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, uh, so I'm like, well, okay. Um, you know, I really like it. It looks really cool. But I'm pretty sure at minimum it's going to have to be repaired. So I don't really want to buy a broken watch. And the guy's like, well, how about a hundred bucks? And I'm like, yeah, I, I really can't spend a hundred dollars on a broken watch. Right. So, okay. You know, thanks for showing to me. And I head out the door and mm-hmm. literally next door to the pawn shop is a jewelry store. Mm-hmm. So I went to the jewelry store. And this is, um, I can't remember if it was like, Saturday morning or whatever, but it was very quiet. There wasn't like a lot of people around or anything like that. Um, especially in Vegas, uh, you know, the stores might open at 10 back then, but nobody was even awake until probably 12 or 1 in the afternoon. Mm. Anyway, I go into the jewelry store and I'm looking around again. I look at the watches, <laughs> they have the exact same full of a marine star in their showcase, brand new with the box, with everything. And so I kind of looking at it and they got it. There's a, there's a little tag, little plastic tag that says $495. And, and the person that was working in the store saw that um, I'm looking at the watch it and she comes over and, and she goes, is there anything in there that you want to see? And I'm like, oh, I was just looking at this Marine star. And, um, you know, it, it, I really like the, I really like the looks of that watch. Um, but 495 definitely a little bit out of my price range, and it was at that time. Uh, you know, I was looking more for to spend like maybe 125 on something. And she says, "Well, did you want to? Do you want me to take it out of the showcase, and you know, you can you can have a better look at it and whatever." And I'm like, "Well, okay, like if if you want to." She goes, "Oh, it's it's not busy, and I'll show you a look, and I'll show you how it all works and all that." And I'm like, "Great, you yeah, know, that's mm-hmm. fine." So. Um, so she did. She took it out of the showcase and went through. And obviously, this was somebody that uh, was familiar with this product and maybe it had some training on or just knew about watches. And so we went through all the different. This is how you wind it, and you know, this is how you uh, you engage like the, the chronograph features. This is what this does. This is what that does. Uh, and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, when I uh, when I'm uh, if I, 
if at some point I'm in a, I'm back and I'm in a position to buy something like this, I'll come back. But you know, like, as I said, like I'm not I'm not looking for something in that price range. Yeah, it's fine if if uh, you know if ever things change, you know, come on back. We're always happy to, to help out our customers. Mm. Okay, so now in my mind, it's I'm kind of thinking like what hmm, like what about this one at the pawn shop? Was it broken or we just weren't pushing the right buttons? Mm-hmm. So I went back into the pawn shop and now uh, the guy that was there, he's helping some other customers and he sees me on back and he comes over real, real quick and goes, what, what can I do for you now? And I said, uh, well, could I have another look at that watch? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I really do like it. I'm, I've been thinking about it a little bit. He goes, sure. So he takes it out of the case and he gives it to me. And he walks back to help the other people because I think in his mind, it's a broken watch. Like even if I ran out with it, it's like I'm probably doing them a favor. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really care. Um, so he leaves me with the, with the used one in the pawn shop and I, I start pushing the buttons and, 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 and checking the, uh, the functions like um, the lady in the jewelry store showed me. And most of them work. Not everything worked perfectly. Um, but I didn't know if that's because I uh, didn't remember exactly how to do everything, or maybe it did have some small issues, needed a cleaning or something. I don't know, but most of them actually worked, and I figured out how to, you know, how to make the second hand go and stop and reset and everything like that. Okay, so I mean things are looking a little bit better now. So the fellow comes back and um, he says, "So what do you think?" Well, you know, I really, really like this watch. I, I really like the looks of it. I've never seen anything quite the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still pretty sure it's going to need like some kind of repair. Like it doesn't seem to be really working properly 100%. And uh, he's like, okay, fine, you know, 90 bucks. And I'm like, you know, 40. And I'm like, yeah, 60. And I'm like, 45. <laughs> he's like, sure. Yeah, just take it and go. Right? <laughs> So, um, uh, yeah, so basically I grabbed it, walked out the door, set it, started telling time perfectly uh, the basic function of it. And, and, um, and I wore it for like four or five years after that. So it did last quite a bit better than mm-hmm. the more in- inexpensive watches. Um, what was really neat about it though, is that about a, a year or so after that is when you were born. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was wearing this watch pretty much every day. And it has like, uh, it has also like an alarm, an audible alarm function. Uh, So you can make it beep anytime you want. And I remember when you were a little baby and uh, you were a good baby, you didn't really like, uh, (laughs) you were very happy. You Mm. you never really cried a whole bunch, but every now and then like all babies you would. And I would hold up this watch and I would hit that little button, so it would just go beep, beep, and right away the crying stopped. And you would like put out your hands and like grab at it. So I'd just give it to you, and it probably wasn't a very good thing to do, but you would take it and stick it in your mouth and kind of chew on it a little yeah. bit, and then look at it. You were just fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it worked really well in that respect too. It was kind of neat, and I think so. Technically, that was probably your first exposure to to watches, mm-hmm. is uh, when you were not, not even a year old. Mm. And uh, but for some reason you just found this uh, this blue and gold shiny little watch here like just really fascinating. Mm. So that's definitely one that uh, you know I'll never I'll never get rid of uh, 
it, uh, it still works actually. Uh, I probably could use a cleaning and a new battery, but I don't wear it because I don't want to want to damage it. Although I, I can see sometime, you know, I might have, I might might put it back on and just wear it for a day or so. We'll see. Maybe maybe when I uh, maybe I'll I'll, uh, I'll set it up and get it going when the grandkid comes around. Oh, don't start with the grandkid talk again. <laughs> okay. But we. Uh... I remember like that was always the watch that I remembered the most and like has always been sort of like subconsciously synonymous with you is that is that boulevard I remember like you know I don't remember a lot of specifics but I always remember you wearing it when I was younger and, and I just I always remember that was like dad's watch and I thought it was super cool and um and it yeah it's just it's just cool and like even like I don't know like it's one of those ones where it's probably just the nostalgia more than anything but like even like it's very it's a very like 90s style watch right with yeah. the gold and kind of like it's got like that um like hewer or tag hewer kind of era kind of racing and kind of like it's got like kind of that kind of stuff going on but it's it just does, like kind of a little bit of a nautical feel to it kind well. of a little yeah but it but it, no, but it has it, it to pack an eater as well but and i feel I, like it kind of holds up well like i feel like i could yeah. go like i still enjoy like this still think it's a cool watch and a cool looking watch even by today's standards you know yeah it is it is interesting and, and interestingly also um this is the watch where i've had more people just rant like sometimes just random people you don't even know mm. like comment on how wow that's a really cool watch even though it's not like this, like even more so than I'm than, than when I'm wearing my, uh, you know, my uh, Omega Chronograph or you know uh, some of the nice one of the nicer Seiko ones or whatever, which actually are much more interesting and higher quality watch as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. But there's something about it that just catches people's eyes, whether it's an infant or an adult or whatever. And uh, yeah, I've had a lot of I, I used to get like a lot of comments. Um, just again, random people saying, wow, that's, and yeah, but that, but it, it kind of goes to show you that uh, how sort of at what level the average person maybe would have about timepieces, but mm. they would say that. And then the other second most common comment is, is that a Rolex? Mm. Like, no, that's mm. not in any way anything like Rolex, but uh, you know, yeah, mm. thank you for the compliment. Right? Mm. Very cool. Very cool. So what else do you have in the collection there? What did you kind of bring along to, to show today? Uh, yeah. So another one that I really love is um, this uh, uh, Seiko uh, that you actually uh, got for me at one time, the mm. King Seiko. And one of the things I, I love about it is uh, uh, I can't remember where you, where you sent it, or but I think you had uh, like a watchmaker go through it and Put it back to like there you go yeah like like really really fantastic condition mm -hmm. um, i love the the sort of whitish silver dial on it mm -hmm. and the size of it the strap for me it's just that's the perfect color it's an unusual color strap mm -hmm. suede you know um, so i know you put a ton of uh, effort and time into it mm -hmm. and i think you know what precipitated it is that um I think I've made a comment at one time about how I find like something like these Grand Seikos and these Lord Marvels and the King Seikos, and, uh, which is what this is. Um, you know, like to be like really, uh, really interesting and, uh, and and good quality timepieces. Certainly for the price of some of them, some of them are, the price of them are, are, are pretty pretty up there. But 
yeah, so I mean that meant a lot to me that that you uh, you know you uh, you heard that and 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 you went to all that trouble to to get me something that I could enjoy that uh, wasn't one of those kind of watches. So again, I love that. I've, it, it's probably um, you know after my um, my Seamaster. It's probably my favorite one to wear. Uh, more to to some kind of a special occasion, uh, you know, a dinner or a function or something like that. Um, so I really, I really like that one. That, that, that's one that I really enjoy. Um, that, uh, that, that King Seiko is also sort of an infamous part of, uh, Rico's yeah. watches history yeah. as well too, you know, not, uh, back before it was the podcast and it was just Rico's watches that was, um, involved in a, unconfirmed scandal with the, the GQ UK there, right? With the, uh, you know, not saying, but just saying some very similar style photos that I took and, and you assisted with taking those photos. And then like two months later, a very, very similar photo came up involving the new edition or the new re-edition King Seiko that was, un the the resemblance was uncanny to the photos that we had taken of the watch of our watch or of that watch um you know what two months or three months prior yeah, it was yeah, very it was interesting really really bizarre um you know i'm sure it was totally unintentional and coincidental sure. but it's just like you, you you it's unusual to see something a uh, photo that has so many of the same elements mm -hmm. even the arrangement of it, everything was like so close. It, it, it's odd. It's kind of, it's kind of, I guess, flattering in a way. Like, well, like it's, the, the, it's interesting. You, you talk of a samurai sword and a, and a king seiko is, you know, very similar to a picture that appeared in an international magazine. So, right? awesome. I mean, but, I, um, yeah, I, but I, that, I took was, this that was neat. And, and, and actually, sorry, but see, that's that's what's great about having something like time pieces like this mm -hmm. it's the stories for example what happened with um, you know with that photo this is already special to me because of the effort you put into um you know acquiring it and and and, and uh and giving it to me as a gift but now you have that which which adds even more depth and interest to it uh and it's the same with the with the Bullet of the Marine Star, it was already neat that it, you know I got it in Vegas, and it was kind of like just perfect timing at the right time. Everything kind of fell into place. But then that you also really enjoyed the watch when you were a small child. I mean that's quite priceless to me, and that again mm -hmm. adds so much more to it. Um, so that's that's one of the to me like that's that's really what a lot of my collecting is about it's not really about the pieces themselves but it's about you know the feelings that they bring up and and the memories and uh and and uh, you know what we associate uh that particular item uh with whether it's mm -hmm. individuals or places or times in our lives or, or whatever but uh but yeah that that's the wonderful part of it and and i think that's why you know and I hope uh, that's why, um, you know, this style of watches, whether it's automatic watches or wind up or whatever kind it is, I think they're always going to be around. Mm -hmm. Obviously, 
everything we look at nowadays tells us the time and, and usually super accurately you have your phones and your you know your computers or whatever your, mm -hmm. your car um, so they are truly uh, an obsolete item in terms of you know functionality for the most part like you don't need a watch to know what time it is anymore mm -hmm. but uh, but in terms of expressing a little bit about yourself as an individual because there is so many different designs and styles and you know uh, they're fantastic they're especially fantastic for people like myself who say doesn't wear a lot of jewelry or a lot of other you know uh, type of stuff um, but I do like to wear a watch and mm -hmm. I do like that watch to reflect a little bit about who I am um, and then also in terms of it's something that can be passed down you know through generations even and and it can it can be retained for many decades, centuries in some some cases. Um, so it, it has that you know that family bond, that history to it. Uh, that's why I think they're always going to be you know uh, there's always going to be a market out there, and, mm -hmm. and I hope actually it'll grow a lot. I think a, a lot uh, as as our as our um, lives become more and more digitized, so to speak, like it's it's really cool to have things like this, which is a, a tangible object you can hold in your hand that maybe your father held in his hand, or your mother, or your grandmother, or your grandfather, or you know whatever, or your friend that moved away to a different continent, like um, whatever it may be. Um, you know the the watch that my son used to grab and laugh and enjoy when he was six months old or eight months old like you know i still have that and i can hold it in my hand too mm -hmm. so it's very special to have stuff like that and, and that's something that you can't really put any price down yeah no i agree and i think that you know i obviously within like families and generationally passing them along that's you pretty much nailed it right on the head there about why these things are so special i think from like a societal point of view as we move into more of a digitized kind of era um they've kind of become almost more popular because it's kind of like the it's, it's almost like a, a it's one of those like ultimate things that you don't need, right? Like you, it's like the ultimate expression of something you don't need. So you paid a lot of money for it to kind of show it's good. It's so hard. It's so hard to describe. It's like, you know, it's like a nostalgia thing. It's an expression of yourself type of thing. It's like, it's a way of kind of showing it's, I guess they're kind of becoming status symbols or continuing to become status symbols, symbols where it's like, you know, I'm so beyond the need of a digital watch or using my cell phone that now I can go back and buy something that's by all measures, like a cent centuries old technology now, right? I'm going to use that instead of, it's like, it's like, uh, like uh, vintage cars, right? It's like at the time that they were vintage cars, they were just the technology of the time, right? They're what was available and you buy them. But now it's like, well, once you've reached a certain point in life, now you can go and buy a vintage car and drive that instead of your Tesla or something like that, because it's, it's about more than just having a car it's about having this old thing this beautiful thing this era of design and innovation and and a certain level of performance and yeah i mean like old cars aren't as fast as new cars but you still like driving them because they're enjoyable to have modern watches general or uh, automatic and vintage watches generally aren't as accurate as like an atomic clock right but we still like them because of what they are as a whole, not necessarily performance based. So I, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting thing. I'm really curious. Like it seems like things are 
just becoming more like they're just becoming more and more popular and, and the the average consumer is becoming more and more educated on watches and more interested in them over time um so it'd be curious to see even where things are at 10 years from now i know if i had a time machine i'd go back 10 years from now today and probably buy some different stuff because they'd be worth a lot more, a lot more money now. Uh, you know, gone are the days of being able to buy like a Submariner for like under three grand, right? But um, that, uh, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But it's it's definitely curious to see where things are going to go with with the watch world and kind of their meaning that they're going to have moving forward to society and to people for sure. What else do you have over there? I know you got a few, a couple more pieces to go through. Um, yeah, so I have uh, this is a. This is a, kind of a different one. It's an mm -hmm. Elgin um, mm -hmm. wind up. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't exactly know if it's like from Art Deco era. Yeah. Twenties yeah, or thirties. Yeah. Pretty 20s, 30s Art Deco. Uh, the, um, uh, the the band on this is just it's just perfect for the watch. Like mm -hmm. I've never seen another band really like that. It's mm -hmm. very uncommon. Mm -hmm. And it's another one where, you know. Um, sometimes uh for a special occasion or whatever it just seems to be the correct the, the right watch to wear and i really enjoy wearing it whenever i do put it on and it's, it's another one where i kind of forget how much fun it is to wear mm -hmm. um it, it, it is so distinctive and you know uh, to me it just makes me think of like dressing up and going to a, a function or something like that uh, you know um like a, a more elegant time so to speak mm -hmm. gone by so um i really enjoyed that one that one i got like at a um, a flea market in um in the southern u.s and uh it was like just oh i can't remember if it was like five dollars or ten dollars or something like that and then um at that time you know it was like another um, I think forty dollars to have it um, taken apart, cleaned, serviced, oiled, and have it functioning, and it's been functioning ever since. Mm. Um, so, uh, again, to have something like like this that gives me so much enjoyment for uh, that little of a cost, it just goes to show you all the different levels um, that there are out there for enjoying the watch hobby whether you want to call it watch collecting or what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's something that everybody, that's the, other, that's the other wonderful thing about it is that pretty much anybody can get into it uh, depending on what you like. And, um, uh, and it's not hard to do and it doesn't have to be hugely expensive. Although, as you mentioned, there's like way more people that are, are getting into, into the vintage watches and the collector watch and you know, all, all kinds of stuff like that. So the prices are, are definitely going up. But there's always good deals to be had out there. Mm -hmm. uh, another one that's pretty much the same story. Also bought it quite a, quite uh, inexpensively at a flea market. Uh, is this uh, is Boulevard Automatic? So it's just this has like a Spidel strap on it. Mm -hmm. Not really necessarily the kind of strap I would have put on it, but mm -hmm. it seems to suit the watch really well, and mm -hmm. it's um, correct for the period that the mm -hmm. watch was manufactured. This one has like can't remember what it's called rolled gold or you know some kind of like thick gold plating on the mm -hmm. back like a, it's something that you don't really see these days anymore so very interesting um very solid little watch just works whenever i need it to work it, just, mm -hmm. it, it 
gets up and goes. And so I really enjoy that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got this, this one I got from you, uh, Seiko Diver. Oh, Seiko Turtle there, yeah. Yeah. Classic, yeah. yeah. Turtle, yeah. It's a classic. It feels, it, it's a bigger heavy watch, but it feels great like uh, when, you, when you wear it. Um, I really enjoy wearing this one too. Um, I don't wear it as much as I probably could, uh, just because I have other other options. And even though it's not like a really, uh, no, it's a pretty rugged watch. I, mm-hmm. I do I do want to keep it in, in good condition because I, I really enjoy having it. But uh, that's a really nice one. I got some some. Oh, I actually uh, one that I think I am going to be wearing a lot uh, is the Taxar. Mm. Is that one that you're you put together yeah the one i put together with the pd watch group there yeah that's uh yours will be done here pretty soon hopefully and we'll get it out to you and you can yeah, enjoy I'm it really and... forward to that. again for me that just checks like all the boxes like i uh you know um i think i think you asked me one time like why don't i just buy like more you know buy a if i like a submariner which i really like i mean it is it is a, a really good design or i think we would look anywhere else looking at some other other uh, older right wings and things like that. Divers yeah. And like that yeah and i'm like well you know it doesn't really it's not what I, I want something that uh you know that really works for me all the time and what i'm looking for is a watch that you know i can get up in the morning i can put it on i want to watch with a bezel uh i want to use the bezel to time my workout uh, mm-hmm. in the morning and then, uh, you know, get ready. I, I want to go to work. I want to be able to, to sit behind the desk and have meetings with people. And the watch is, is, looks good and it performs and is accurate. But also if I have to go and uh, actually do some, uh, you know, some physical work in the field or whatever, or work on some equipment or something like that, I don't want to have to think twice about, oh, I'm going to have to watch. be careful I don't wreck my watch, take it off and carefully put it in my pocket. I'm just going to get in there and do what I want to do. You know, I want to come home after work and I want to go up to the garage, change some spark plugs. And I'm just focused on uh, doing what I need to do um, with, the, with, with the car I'm working on or whatever. I don't want to be thinking about, oh, I better be careful because I'm going to ruin this priceless watch, you know, and I'm going to be devastated if this, if this uh, vintage Submariner gets all scratched up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then... Um, Maybe after that, I want to go inside and just jump in the shower. Don't even take the watch off, you know, rinse everything off, soap it up, clean it up, uh, and, uh, and then uh, go out for dinner. And, uh, and uh, I, I can wear that same watch all day. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to think about it. And if it does get damaged, if it does get scratched, the crystal gets broken. It's like it's not the end of the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you, you take it to the watchmaker, hundred bucks, you got a new crystal, or you got to get a new bezel or a new piece. You order it and you put it on, mm-hmm. and that's that's the kind of watches I like, like for my everyday use. And that is something that I'm not sentimental about. It's something that I want for a specific purpose, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was kind of the answer why I, I'm not going to buy like a Submariner. Because Submariner, I could do all those things with, except replace that crystal for a hundred bucks or replace the whole watch for a couple of hundred bucks. Like mm-hmm. that ain't going to happen with a Submariner. You, mm-hmm. If I lose it or break it, like that Paxar, uh, 
if, 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 if it gets used in such an extreme way that it breaks, I will ask you for another one. Mm -hmm. and, you know, you'll order it up and it's not going to break the bank. It's, and it's extremely high quality. I expect to have it for many years, mm -hmm. but it's meant to work. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's what I want. So it really depends on the need, and that and that's really how I feel about a lot of the uh, like the Seiko watches and the um, some of the other brands that copy that sort of uh, submariner design or some of the other sort of classic diver designs, um, but they're very inexpensive. Mm -hmm. and they are like, but they're but they're automatic watch. They, they have a bezel. They have that look. I like stainless straps, and they, you know they'll have a good quality, decent quality stainless strap. Mm -hmm. And frankly, if I do something that breaks it or I lose it, you just do a couple of clicks, and you got another one on the way for like a hundred bucks. Like you cannot, you know, there's there's nothing else. So there is depending on your needs. In some cases, uh, those kind of watches, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the ones that are totally fake and, you know, people, oh, this is my Rolex and mm. it's obviously a fake piece of crap. That's something else, like, you know, if you're trying to pass off one thing for another. But, you know, these, these, are, these are under the Seiko banner or, or um, Pulsar or whatever, uh, and they do a job. Like, they, mm. they, they fit a niche for certain people that want a, a cool watch. And, I, and, and to me... Um, Sometimes, sometimes people just happen to put different design elements together in a way that is a home run, you know, mm -hmm. that, that, that the, the sum of having all those things put together um, far exceeds the individual parts. And like the Submariner is, is, is one of those things like the, I, I don't think Rolex was the first people that invented a bezel or you know um, that kind of a case or whatever or even the idea of a waterproof watch there was other people that were doing things like that um, in different ways before them but they kind of put it all together in a package that made sense that that had the performance it's like um, you know that's that's an example uh, like the Shelby Cobra that's an example, you know, you put a super light, uh, take a super light aluminum body and you put a massive high, high performance, uh, uh, high powered large engine into it and uh, really good handling and suspension. And it, and it creates something that is taking down um, much more higher end, you know, European sports cars at events and so on. Um, you know, there's, there's just certain times where everything just happens and you come up with something that that just works mm -hmm. and and that's one example of that and and to me like the copies of that they're using the same elements maybe the quality and so on isn't quite the same mm -hmm. but those elements are still there and they and they still work uh and that's what like that um that seiko or something like tax are would definitely uh you know that those are the things that i want from a watch and they're they work for me. Mm -hmm. It might not for everybody, but they do for me. Mm. Um, so that was, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I got some weird stuff like this Orient perpetual calendar, I guess it's called. That's okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's an automatic. It's like kind of a, I don't know, like a gimmicky kind of one, but, mm. but it's still kind of neat. I, I kind of, I, I like the idea, like, of uh, of having that perpetual calendar thing, mm -hmm. and um, 
one that I really uh, had fun um, had fun buying and uh, kind of researching and learning about is uh, this little um, Illinois uh, pocket watch. Mm, okay. It's the only pocket watch I really have. Mm -hmm. but it is fascinating to me. I like I like the quality of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the little bit of engraving it has is not heavily engraved, but mm -hmm. and just the idea of the era that this came from and mm -hmm. the work that went into producing it and how things were done back then. Mm -hmm. uh, it just fascinates me. And and it's and it's it's rewarding to to have something that I can enjoy that is from that time when mm -hmm. things were so different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and well, also it's uh it to me like it always strikes me about the workmanship and the level of expertise that the people that put things like that together back then have. And they're so like I don't like especially like once you are I guess established in the watch world and the collecting and you know like like what a good watch is you know and then you pick one of these up and it's like considering they're what they're going for I mean they're getting more popular now but considering what they were going for even like a year ago like pocket watches particularly American pocket watches which were the best pocket watches in the world at the time are are like they're insane quality like the quality the workmanship the the decoration on the movements that these like there's almost no pocket watch movement um from that era that isn't beautifully decorated that like by today's standards is like incredible right and if you can find one in good quality like they're wonderful like i have the um you have the illinois and i sort of have its sister its sister watch the uh hamilton as well and Hamilton ended up buying uh, Illinois as well to basically take a bunch of their like double double roller technology and things like that and kind of monopoly by the end Hamilton had pretty much monopolized the entire pocket watch market in America but like if you can find one in good shape where like the dial is not all cracked and destroyed and the hands are good and the movements in good shape in the case if you have a, a serious serious nice piece of uh horology there and um there's some really good value there and the research it's such a rabbit hole you can go down um when it comes to these pieces as well too and uh yeah they're definitely something special and uh, i wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of resurgence in their popularity based on just like the amazing quality that you get for these pieces for sure yeah i think the the pocket watches they do resurge in popularity from time to time i've actually seen it before um you know maybe about 20 years ago where there was kind of a whole kind of western and resurgence in general and mm -hmm. um but yeah it, it definitely is something that if uh, somebody is at all interested and they have an opportunity to get their hands on one because you got to think like these pocket watches especially the ones that were uh from the turn of the, the last you know uh, last century so they're um, 120 or even 100 years old if they're from the 20s or whatever but if it's a pocket watch made in the 20s like they can't make any more of those you know the 20s are mm -hmm. gone like the um now we're in the 2020s so uh, something from 100 years ago like there's a limited supply mm -hmm. and there seems to be as you noted more and more and more and more people that are creating a demand now. There's mm -hmm. more people that are learning about these things that maybe wouldn't have had exposure to it before. Mm -hmm. So I think that they are like a, a really good, um, a really good uh, 
uh, item to look into. And uh, some of the smaller uh, size ones, mm -hmm. quite tiny, I think were, I think some of them might have been made at that time for ladies or just, you know, for whatever reason, but they're, they're, they're small. I've seen some that I've been looking at that are just amazing engraving on the cases and materials. Mm -hmm. uh, but because probably of their size, they're mm -hmm. not as popular with collectors or with people that are buying them online or whatever. So the prices are really, really good. But just on some of these, some of these pieces, I mean, they're just like just even the, um, the engraving on the case is it, it'd be worth to buy it just for that. Well, in the, in the, in like the 10 S and 12 S sizes, there's a lot of value still for pocket watches because the people want the, the railroad watches, right? They want the 16 yeah, S railroad, yeah. railroad certified movement that they want. That's what they want. Um, but if you can get into a 10 S or a 12 S and I mean, in particular, like there's tons of, uh, like aftermarket options now. And there's also like companies that like their whole thing is taking those watches and then turning them into like wearable wrist watches. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I mean, if you really think it's cool and you really enjoy the technology and the material and the quality, like, I think that's a great way to also go about, um, taking those watches and then continuing on with enjoying them and, and finding more practical functionality out of them. Like I turned, I just turned my Hamilton into like a desk clock basically. And you got to wind Ooh. it every couple of days and my desk clock right but um it's it's a, interesting to see kind of the appreciation for them and, and it's i'm glad that there's people that want to start becoming kind of the stewards of them for the next generation as well right yeah yeah mm -hmm. definitely definitely is there anything else you have there or is that kind of the whole collection that's that's not the whole collection but that's what that's you brought I've, today that's all i brought today cool. so so what? if uh if this podcast get good uh, response from people that maybe we can we can do it again do next it, year do another one some more stuff yeah, yeah I think, well I, think, uh, I took a i've taken a, more than enough of your time here this no it's, this is this is fun how often does someone get to interview their own dad on their show right and uh i think that you know i mean obviously going back even to the the Marine star, like, I think that kind of maybe planted the seeds subconsciously for watch, uh, watch collecting and, and my enthusiasm about them as a, as a kid. But I mean, even then, like you, you bought me my first couple of watches that I had too. I, I still have my, uh, like Casio illuminator that worked for like, I, I just replaced the battery this year. Finally, wow. like it. And wow. I got, I got that thing in what, like grade three or grade four. Like I had it for a long, yeah, long maybe. 20 years ago, <laughs> almost 20, years, yeah. 20 years ago. It was, it was bizarre how long the battery lasted on that thing it was awesome. And I, and I, I love that watch and it was, I still see it so beat up. I don't remember what I ever did in that watch to get it so beat up, but it's pretty beat up. And then uh, my Seiko I have as well. My Seiko five that you got me there. I still have that as well. And fantastic, fantastic watch. I know you have a, like a kind of a complimentary watch that sort of matches it that I recall we got at the same time. Uh, we got it right around the same time. Yeah, I didn't yeah. bring that one. Uh, yeah. I have it in the other, the other room here, but uh, that was my first yeah, automatic. I, I, really, yeah. I really liked that Seiko 5. That really, that was the one that the first automatic I had. And that was the one that really impressed me. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, there's something to this because I wore that thing for a few years and I, and I wore it hard. Like it, mm -hmm. you know, it did, it did not get treated very gently mm -hmm. and it just kept on going i think i had to have it i think i might have got it cleaned and adjusted one time or maybe mm -hmm. not even but uh 
Yeah, and it and it still runs. I think it, I think it's it's running a little bit uh, slow right now, but mm. it still works fine. Um, well, it's it, it got me like like I, I remember that watch is really like that was the one that really got me into this whole world. Was that was that yeah. Seiko five? And it's it really like I remember like within a year like i had bought a couple more cycles like i bought like a seiko sierra chain i bought an skx 007 and then i i had had multiple like seiko monsters and like it kind of like it kind of set me down not only just the watch train but sort of the the, the seiko kind of hobbyist kind of thing and get me into all the all the seikos as well and then that obviously leads kind of that's just like the natural evolution i think it is of like a lot of watch collectors nowadays to get into the seikos and then it kind of goes from there but that was always like my, like, that was all, I still have it today. I still have it. And it's an awesome watch and I'm very excited about it. And it, it, it has a cool history as well in, in the collection and sort of uh, in my memories. And it's cool that you have the, a matching one as well. And yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, I guess uh, thanks for getting me started in watches dad. And I'm glad that we're able to kind of share the hobby together and uh enjoy it together and continue to grow your collection with some awesome pieces and mine's always changing and upgrading and downgrading and expanding and condensing like mine's always doing weird stuff but it's yours collection just kind of continues to grow and has its own has its own kind of story that you know you just it's, it's almost like a bit of family history now right so mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be really cool to kind of see where that collection goes over the next uh, few years and and goes from there for sure um did you have uh any final words i guess for anybody or anything like that before we kind of sign up for today no no i think we cover a lot of stuff so thank you for having me on your podcast uh you know, it's, uh, it's really cool to see you doing something like this that you very much enjoy and uh, something that you're very obviously knowledgeable in and uh, and participate in. So it's great for a dad to see, you know, his, uh, his offspring <laughs> doing what they love. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, that's it for me. Thanks again for having me on. I really enjoyed it, Eric. And um, yeah, I, uh, that, that kind of wraps it up. Alrighty. Well, then for those of you that are listening and uh, enjoying the podcast, if you have any questions, comments, and or feedbacks, please shoot me an email at ricoswatchespodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to chat on Instagram or engage with any of my uh, Instagram content, you can head over to Rico's, Rico's Watches Podcast Instagram page. Likewise, if you're enjoying listening to this and would like to enjoy it in a video medium, feel free to head over to YouTube to the Rico's Watches Podcast YouTube channel where I upload all the videos of uh, my conversations as well so you can watch along while you listen and uh, enjoy thanks again dad it was awesome chatting with you happy father's day and uh, really looking forward to uh, getting this episode up for other people to enjoy as well you take care and uh, signing